a heads up that this episode delves into some challenging subjects, including self-harm, trauma, and racism. If these are sensitive subjects for you, please keep that in mind before you listen. Hello, hello, I'm Audrey Peck, your host of Asian Women for Health's podcast from Resilience to Radiance. Each month we amplify the voices of Asian women who share their health journeys and offer a source of insight, inspiration, and empowerment for others. I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Amy Mannion. She's a Boston-born Chinese-American singer, songwriter, and spoken word artist. As a suicide attempt survivor, Amy uses performance art to share her authentic voice and raw struggles with mental health, racism, and trauma. Her journey is one that truly embodies resilience. It has been wonderful to see her channel her creativity, to be an advocate for change towards greater justice and healing. But before we jump into our conversation, please give attention to Amy as she recites her poem entitled Found. I'm from my mother, singing hymns while doing the dishes. They then wait upon the Lord. I'm from my father, house church preaching and teaching, answering questions from us children. I'm from out back, playing hot peas, cold butter. Hide that belt and don't get hit when someone finds it. The games we played, Relivio, Capture the Flag, and many others. The things we made, Gimp at summer camp, selling friendship bracelets to the town's football star, pushing lemonade outside of HealthWorks on Com Ave. I'm from don't show your cards, put on a bluff, act tough, or get run over. I'm from Adidas swishy pants wearing tomboy, throw yourself in your books and escape to somewhere beyond a reading rainbow. I'm from try hard to stifle your smile in your classroom picture when you were six, put on a serious face. But your creativity shown on your self-made beaded necklace in that picture, your grimace smile couldn't hide, freedom lying inside. I'm from liberty, lost and found. Love it, love it. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for delivering your creative piece. I love the flow of that. Thank you so much. And thank you for the introduction. I was almost crying because it was so <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I haven't actually opened a podcast episode with a, a performing um, artist piece. So this is quite um, an honor for me to have you here. Um, and this piece, it offered insight into your world. Um, what stood out for me actually was the lines, don't show your cards, put on a bluff, act tough. Yeah. Try hard to stifle your smile. Mm. And you close with freedom lying inside. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to recover. Yeah. Um, really lost. So it seemed like you're soul searching, trying to find your voice. Mm. Perhaps it is um, indicative of, you know, where you were in that moment, which um, prompts me to ask <laughs> when and what inspired you to write this? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I 
stumbled on the last line, so I just went with it. But yeah, the original is like, um, trying. I'm from trying to recover liberty lost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the inspiration was my childhood growing up in public housing, um, in a project outside of Boston, mm-hmm. and yeah, just remembering those times and the games we played and having house church with my dad, who's like a preacher, mm-hmm. and like, um. I saw a picture of myself when I'm young, like five, six years old, and I I made this little beaded necklace. I have this like white lacy dress. My mom always dressed me up in nice dresses. Uh-huh. And, um, later on, I resented it. I was like, I want to be, a, you know, I was like more of a tomboy. <laughs> but um, so um, yeah. So in that picture, I noticed I, I was like, looks like I was holding back a smile. And like, there's some pictures from me before where I'm just so open and free and smiling as a child should be. So it really stuck out with me that grimaced smile I saw and I'm wondering, well, I know the reasons why for that. So yeah, it was kind of sad to see, yeah. But when did you, when did you write this piece? Because oh, it yes. really described things in such vivid detail. I could almost, as you were delivering it, picture it in my own mind and how you were as a young girl. Yeah, thank you. So I'm actually remembering now, um, I went to Lesley University. Well, I transferred there from a community college Mm -hmm. um, and I was like an adult learner. And so each adult learner has to take this class, you know, um, stepping into a new program at Lesley. And our teacher wanted us to write, um, I don't know if it was like, more of a prose, but I ended up writing this poem like, where are you from? So originally it was called, I'm from, because I, I repeat that throughout. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was the inspiration and that was written, I think I joined Leslie in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so sometime around then. Oh. So have you always had a, a passion for writing? I remember my first, when I first really got into poetry, it was in sixth grade. and we put together a poetry book and we were looking up for names. And um, I think I came up with creative expressions. I think that is what it was called. And so I fell in love with poetry then. And my brother, one of my older brothers was really good at poetry. So I was inspired by him. And I guess I just started writing ever since then more um, poetically. (laughs) Wonderful, you have a gift for it. And uh, I'm curious to know how writing makes you feel like does it provide a release do you feel lighter after you've shared and expressed yourself so fully yes um i think i was writing like i used i like journaling or in some ways i need to in order to feel more balanced like every day i want to be writing but because of issues such as mental health and other health issues Sometimes I don't, and then I feel less in balance mm. than um, if I did write. And I remember in a journal entry, I talked about, I need to write every day to feel in balance and like just to, for my own mental health. And it, for writing for me, it's like a spiritual connection to something greater than myself. Mm. And I know it's a gift that I have. And so when I'm exercising that, it's like a meditation and I started recently getting into Sijo poetry, which is a traditional form of Korean poetry that has a certain number of syllables in each line. 
and that has like pastoral theme, you know, related to nature in the traditional sense form. So I actually entered into a Sijo poetry competition and I got honorable mention. Awesome. And it was like so empowering because I talked about my Asian experience mm-hmm. during the time of the pandemic um, in a Sijo poem. And I have another version of it that got accepted somewhere else. So I really love that form because you can express really deep things in a structured way. Mm-hmm. It can help you to like, for me to cope and to empower myself and to, to be a witness to my own experience. Yeah, that is, that's really um, amazing. I, I didn't know about that type of poetry. So, so how did you learn how to do it? Did you take a class? Oh. No, well, okay, I was, I'm like, sometimes look at writing opportunities and artist opportunities, because um, I'm also a musician. And, but I'm li- talented, very versatile. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly look for like um, writing opportunities. So I was looking up all the different like blogs, and um, one of them was like the deadline was that day, <laughs> April 30th or something. So I'm like, oh, and it was a way for me to get into writing, back into writing like in a good motivation. So I, I looked on their website and they tell the structure and I looked at some examples and I like just started writing it. And I it did it for hours, different. I knew what I wanted to say, but I didn't know how, like I just kept editing and editing. And then it's interesting though, my original poem I submitted, but you have you can do multiple submissions like, and they take the last one that you submit. So then I like, I remember, I think I prayed to God, like, <laughs> I felt like it was so strenuous. I'm like, just give me something easier. Like, let it just flow. And, and that's what happened. And that's what I ended up submitting to them. And But I wonder if I submitted the original, if it would have won, because it was really <laughs> much better, I think. But yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that took a lot of initiative on your part. But clearly, it was a calling to you. Yeah. Well, I, I'm grateful to know that, that writing, as I'm sure it is for others, um, provides a release um for anxiety stress your lived experience so i'm grateful you have that um you know you had also mentioned your gift around music and i understand um for work you're a songwriter with a nonprofit, tunefulery music which has a very special mission can you say a few words about your work there yeah well i joined in 2012 as a vocalist and so um, it's a nonprofit based in Boston that is composed of musicians and mental health recovery. Mm. But it's also our allies, you know, the executive director, he's also a clinician. Mm. And um, so we have some teachers that come in, but the mission is to kind of support us, the musicians and mental health recovery. And we do paid gigs in different venues. And there's a lot of opportunities to grow as a musician. So we have groups, I'm in the songwriting workshop, and I've I've done different roles there, like such as performance coordinator, member outreach coordinator, and I was on the board very briefly. I just, it just means so much to me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still involved going to groups on Zoom and and sometimes hybrid in person. But yeah, I have grown so much as a singer and I ended up learning the guitar eventually and started to accompany myself. That's what really, um, the pandemic really, I started doing gigs on my own 
with a guitar and that was like a major change for me because I used to have a accompanist or be in a band in tunefoolery so um that's the one good thing that happened yeah that's awesome you know I think um music has such a way of uplifting people's spirits in in such powerful ways and especially during the pandemic um for you to have that outlet and a, a supportive community is is really fantastic so we'll be sure to include a link about Tunfulari for people who want to learn more. Now, I know you've struggled with a number of health issues uh, throughout your journey. I'm happy to share those. And, you know, the, the story is I got diagnosed with social anxiety disorder and depression at the age of 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And then later bipolar disorder with psychotic features and um, at the age of 22. Um, but then when I think about it, um, I struggle with fear from a very young age. Um, I remember having an existential crisis about <laughs> forever, you know, as a six-year-old kind of trying to grasp what that meant. So I think I've always been a deep thinker, mm-hmm. but then also just being exposed to my sexuality from a young age that was unwanted and was just traumatic for me because I didn't, I wasn't ready for it. And then, so that experience I think really led later i attribute it to the social anxiety just you know if i get close to someone they're going to hurt me or something bad's going to happen you know so like certain it exhibits itself like depending on my situation if i'm around people like i don't know or close proximity i like my heart races i'm like frozen you know and certain my natural nature is like outgoing and really lively but i learned to put on different masks or like sometimes i can't control the anxiety I just have to manage it. So I also got diagnosed with Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune hyperactive thyroid condition and in um, 2016. So I just been dealing with that and that can affect all different things. Like it can look like anxiety, racing heart, um, really sensitive to heat and, um, and affect your energy levels. It's just all different things. I also have sleep apnea, which you know I'm being tr- I'm treating that mm-hmm. and asthma, which is more mild. But yeah, I just I'm learning to treat the different health conditions and see them as such because I've I had struggled with taking medication for a long time, always wanting to get off it, always wanting to taper. You know, I don't want to accept this. You know, but I've worked with my current therapist about acceptance and balance. Those are the key mm-hmm. themes that we talk about and I'm learning that I have a health condition. You know, people from the mental health community, they have different views. Like there's one spectrum and then another end of the spectrum. It's like, and I've like, was it like about meds and no meds? And I'm just like, where do I fit in? And I've realized I do need to take them. You know, other people might have different health journeys, but mm-hmm. it's good for me to do. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, like I said, you embody resilience, because mental health is one thing, but you also have these, um, you know, physical diagnoses that you also have to um, grapple with. So um, what resources were available to you? Because you mentioned Mm -hmm. therapy. I'm curious, did you try and seek out an Asian health provider, as many do? Wow, that's a great question. I think at one point I did. But you know, I've had majority is just not Asian. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I did see someone, and I and more recently I've I I was seeking out uh, Asian health provider, but you know insurance trying to get someone that, and I was looking for a Christian therapist too. So I there was a couple counselors that were potential, but I ended up you know seeing someone different. Honestly, it, um, I wish I did have someone that understood the Asian experience about what we go through and, and, and I don't have to explain it, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't have to justify my feelings. And, um, but I did have like a white male therapist before my current uh, white female therapist. And we, well, at first I didn't understand. I, th I was kind of coming with from a hostile perspective, like he doesn't understand me, like, and um when I talked about race, I would get like, I talked about like some poems I wrote and it really kind of overtook me trying to fight for the struggle mm -hmm. of racial justice, social justice. You need to start with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I've come to realize if I'm not in a healthy place, I can't do anything for anyone else. Mm -hmm. Yes. Prioritize yourself. Yeah. And the process of self-discovery and self-awareness too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. And I've heard from another like Asian advocate, female that like, for her, um, social justice and activism is her form of self care. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I totally get that too. Yeah. I don't think it has to be either or I think they can connect. Yeah, absolutely. And you have mentioned your spirituality a few times. And of course it's, you know, it's present in your family as well. So um, would you mind sharing how much faith or, or religion has played a role in your healing? So, okay, I guess I can talk about my parents. Like, oh, so my mom is originally from China. She came here when she was 12 in like 1959. So yeah, she's been through a lot. And so, she met my dad, who's actually an Irish American man mm -hmm. in the church um, in Melrose. They're both very devout and very um, faithful to their religion and to their beliefs. And so I grew up with that, you know, hearing my mom singing hymns and we go to different churches, sometimes house church. And um it played a big role and I was very much a daddy's girl. And so I was sometimes the only child that was at the house church. Some of them rebelled, you know, like, but I always was faithful. And I always like learned from a young age that about Jesus and like how I could talk to him about anything. So I kind of, when I was a kid, I would talk to him every night. You know, some people have imaginary friends and I just talked to Jesus, like, you know, um, and that got me through a lot. Um, when I had my first psychotic break, it did exhibit itself in a spiritual, in a religious format. And I've heard that, you know, people that are raised religiously, their psychosis can exhibit that way. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of scary, like what I went through. And then it was even scary to like be faithful. Cause I'm like, if I get too overzealous, if I get too deep in this, I'm gonna like lose my mind type of thing. Mm -hmm. and at one point um, when I was seeing a therapist and around 2015, he was saying, he was seeing how much turmoil I had. And he was saying that maybe like religion is for people that for when you're well or something like that. And so it doesn't look like it's helping you. So I actually agreed with him. I kind of like stepped away, stepped back, but it's always been in me. Mm. Despite all the challenges I have 
towards faith and yes. believing and going to church and stuff, uh, I think it's worth it. But I will be honest, I'm not, I haven't been as active going to church. And part of that is the social anxiety and just like having a mental health condition. Are they going to understand me? You know, just like mm-hmm. always feeling like I'm the other. Yeah. But, um, but it's diverse, racially diverse. And so mm-hmm. that's not that much of an issue. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Well, you also brought up the fear of being misunderstood uh, within a community. And when it comes to mental health, that's a constant struggle, that fear of public shame or stigma. Hmm. Um, But is that something you think about as you're writing and performing? I think at one point I did. I was like concerned, oh, if I want to get a job, I can't identify as a person in mental health recovery. Where I found success, some success, and what I would like to do is in the arts, you know? And so I feel like it's an asset in a way to be open. And absolutely, yeah, with the Asian experience, you know, growing up biracial, it's its own unique experience. And uh, one of my family members was saying, they didn't know, and this was like shocking to hear, but I think it might reflect what some people think that like, they didn't know that um, Chinese people could have mental illness. And I've heard someone else say that, that they felt like I can't be unwell, you know, and because I'm Asian or whatever, but it is, I think in the Asian community and like from, from my family, it exhibits, if they're not aware of mental health, it might exhibit in health conditions. Like definitely racism does impact us. And I think it shows, and it's not just racism, you know, but it's like the modern world, but like I'm aware of the impact of systemic racism and injustice. I mean, even with your own mental health struggles, how open were you? Um, was your family there? Um, and, and did they understand what you needed? And did you openly share um, what you were going through? When I had my health challenges, what my you know, as a teenager getting, being diagnosed, and then as a young adult, I was still living with my parents at the time of my psych- first psychotic break, and they're the ones that sent me to the hospital. You know, mm-hmm. I was kind of out of control, and um, I'm not the only member in my household that has mental health challenges. So I wasn't the first one, you know, so they've seen this before. They've seen unusual behavior and hospitalizations. And I think it's challenging sometimes for them because of like faith issues. So some, some, like some people in my family, they see their health challenges as a spiritual component. And I think that in some, sometimes can be a hindrance to healing in a way when you see it only as spiritual. So, um, but I don't know, people have their own views, but like, I think it's a challenge for people to accept, but I think they understand it. And like, I I think they understand it more now because I remember I recently stupidly got off my meds. Cause like when I'm doing like bipolar, if you're doing well, you think, oh, I don't need these. Mm-hmm. And it was just impulsive and it was a part of the illness, you know? And I told my dad recently, like, I, I got back on them. And he's like, good, you know? So mm-hmm. he's supportive and he knows that it's a health condition too. Yes, of course. It's interesting that you said that certain people couldn't imagine um, Asians having mental health struggles. I mean, we are human after <laughs> all. 
But do you think we are, um, I mean, with the recent swelling of anti-Asian violence, do you feel the needs of our community are being heard? And, you know, given your advocacy too on racial um, incidents and social justice issues. Oh, yeah, I I heard a podcast of a a fellow Asian woman. She's also in my writing group, Asian Women Writing Group. And she has a podcast and she interviewed, I think a black um, queer person. And they were they were saying like, I need people to apologize to the Chinese people. Like, and I was like, whoa, I was like, that was so radical to hear. But it's like, I agree. Like, where's the apology? Where's the, where is like the outrage against this injustice? I know certain during this pandemic time, like um, members of like Antioch um, in California, they apologized to the Chinese people because in the time in the 1800s, I think when the Chinese men were working, laborers, they did it was outlawed for them to to be out after sundown, but they got out of work at that time, and it's like they wouldn't allow them to go home, mm. so they built tunnels. Like that really broke my heart and they apologized for that, which is a start, you know, but. Yeah, there's been a history of xenophobia, as you know, in American history and there's always a reckoning. Um, yeah, but I feel like a lot of people don't know that history and they think Asian, they're the model minority. That's all that some people see. And, the, you know, I grew up in public housing. I was poor, you know, I still am. So like people don't see all these different colors of Asian people were human right. like anyone else, like you said. Yep, the diversity of our community and the socioeconomic inequities exist in our community. Yeah, you know, and so I, I saw another documentary about in Chinatown, Boston's like the poor air pollution and quality, you know, it's called washing by a local artist. And it was installations interviewing Chinatown residents and people getting health issues, you know, because of the the pollution, all these like highways going through there. And so, so we have always had inequities. We have always had, this is nothing new. It's just more heightened now. Mm -hmm. People are really seeing that, but I feel that I'm grateful that there's organizations like Project Harmonious um, through UMass Medical Center, Worcester, that tries to outreach to the Chinese population in Massachusetts around mental health. And I submitted some stuff to them. And so I think there needs to be more awareness. And I, I did a short film uh, collaboration of my work and just kind of just sharing how I feel about this. And I translated it in, into traditional Chinese characters with the help of Project Harmonious and some others. And I felt I needed to like, connect to the Chinese elders and say, hey, you're not alone. Like, hey, I'm with you. I'm here for you. And you're basically the reason why I do what I do. My mom is Chinese elderly mm -hmm. right now. And so mm -hmm. she has impacted the reason why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we need a lot more healing. Mm -hmm. We need more communities. And Asian Women for Health is one of them that I have uh -huh. felt so blessed to be a part of. I go to the weekly wellness groups when I can, I'm trying to be more consistent. And like, we need to know and see and hear each other and um, grieve, I think, for the pain of this time and even before this time. 
Yes, no, I hear you. And, um, and I think it's a beautiful thing that your creative expression and, and art um, contribute to that healing. Oh my gosh, time is just passing us by. So, <laughs> so before we wrap up, I usually do a fun lightning round. So in uh, one or two words, who is your favorite performing artist? Oh, yeah. I mean, growing up, it was Lauren Hill oh. and Bob Marley, but mainly Lauren Hill, because she has those same like spiritual themes and just so soulful and like one of the best or the best rapper, I think. And so smart, so soulful and so like yes. real. I love, love her. her. Love her too. <laughs> um, what's your favorite time of day? <laughs> I tend to be more creative at night and like <laughs> after like during sleeping hours, but I know I need to like get my sleeping back on track. I would say nighttime. <laughs> nighttime. I agree. I'm a night owl as well. <laughs> um, is there an area of your life that merits more love and attention? Hmm. Probably like I need to walk more. I mean, that's always just, I just, oh, oh, house upkeep. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely. Okay. And lastly, what random act of kindness would you like to show others? Mm. I think just like a smile and acknowledgement. When I'm brave enough, I can do that. And sometimes you get reciprocated. So I, I just want to be more courageous. <laughs> well, I think you're so brave. Thank you so much. <laughs> Amy, for letting your light shine, you know, whether it's through the spoken word or music or advocacy. Again, I think your expression is, is providing all of us with the gift of who you are and opening our hearts and minds to do the same. So keep going. Oh, thank you so much. Would you like to close with your ode to creation? I think it would be a wonderful way. I would love to. I wrote this in 2019 and it just expresses my gratitude um, towards creation and towards other people. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Make the sky concrete and the concrete the sky. Let a poem fly. Color with feeling on canvas or clay. Can you see? That picture wants to play. Shoes carry souls too, you see. Just ask Barishnikov. A dancer, a slipper never scoffs. Remedy your maladies with a melody for taste. With the swallows, sing in haste. A secret garden to you awaits. Its magic is never read too late. To those who witness, the artist is much indebted. Between them, a bridge is connected. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so awesome. much. Thank you so much. So if you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to visit our podcast page on the AsianWomenForHealth.org website, where you'll also find links to our Google, Apple, Stitcher, and SoundCloud podcast platforms. Remember that Asian Women for Health also offers monthly socials, health webinars, and lunch and learn virtual programs. So please do make the most of these opportunities. Until next time, keep shining because the world needs you.